0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm
1: looking to sell everybody price-dependent.
0: Dan LaMagna.
1: Too much dysfunction in Cleveland.
0: And Mitch Sorensen.
1: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. Gentlemen, it is episode 99, and it's very fitting the way it worked out episode 99 the last episode of 2020 thank goodness we can put this year behind us but then to start fresh episode 100 next tuesday i am absolutely thrilled yes it's a combination of super flexology the now defunct super flexology and dynasty theory but 100 episodes nonetheless and tonight for episode 99 i am joined by dan lamania that is at ff coach dan on twitter tonight he He's the man with the fresh haircut. If you're watching live, if you're watching on YouTube, the fresh fade, what's going on, Dan.
0: Gentlemen, 16 weeks complete. I must say I was a little sad watching the last Monday night football performance, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm proud of us grinding through 16 weeks. It's been a blast. You know, we end on the highs of Camaras and Evans performances and the lows of King Henry's and my, my surfer boy, Chad Hanson. That's another story, but, uh, Dare I say, I'm ready to join you guys and ready to look ahead to 2021.
1: I was looking at, somebody posted something, and it was like the top week 16 performances from the past 10 years or the past 20 years, whatever the time frame was, four people made the list this year. It was just absolutely insane. I mean, Mitch and I had a matchup, and I had Alvin Kamara, and I'm sitting back at home. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. I'll talk about this in the show. It's going to be embarrassing for Mitch. He came back and beat me. But anyway, dominated. All... I dominated that matchup. You won by less than a point, but I'm also I joined did. Did. <laughs> reluctantly and unfortunately <laughs> by Mitch Sorensen. That's at Dino MC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch?
2: What's up, guys? This is outside of the draft show that we do each year. This is my favorite show. This is where we go back. We take a look at our takes. And it's not like, hey, I liked Ezekiel Elliott and he sucks. You know, I wish I wouldn't have done that. It's why did we like Ezekiel Elliott? Why did he suck? How can we
1: change things moving forward so it doesn't happen again? And that's spot on. And I tweeted this out. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year as well, because it's important for anybody that is tuning in, whether it is for my fantastic jokes, Mitch's fantastic hair, Dan, his old war stories about coaching and playing (laughs) or, you know, but whatever the reason is you're tuning in. If a little bit of that is because of our takes in our insight, in our analysis, then I feel an obligation to provide information and and hold ourselves accountable because we all see it on Twitter, especially people always want to sing their own praises and you have to, I, I get that. And we do it too. I'm not I'm not above taking a victory lap. God knows. But my my legs are so tired from some of the laps I've taken. But we have to hold ourselves accountable. And Mitch, you hit the nail on the head. Not just, oh, I missed on this player. Why did we like that player to begin with? And then why did we miss on it? So how can we correct that process improvements? So Mitch, before we get into the actual process improvements, what really stood out to you on the grand scheme of 2020, in your eyes from a dynasty perspective.
2: Oh, flat out. If you didn't build for depth, you had no chance this year. I mean, you just, you shot yourself in the foot before the
1: season even started. If you didn't draft for depth, And there's so many teams that I have. And I posted a trade that I did earlier in the season, but I posted it today and it was a move to acquire additional depth that I was making a push and man, I knew it was going to be ugly longer term, but it was ugly short term too. But I, I think that's very important. We preached it all off season. But building depth, being in situations where you don't have to choose between that player that might be on the COVID list, might get pushed from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, and then a back-end option. But if you have that depth that was critical, Dan, what really stood out to you besides the depth issue this season?
0: This year was, it was this weird combination. It was like the ultimate grind, but yet it was fun. You know, like, like with all those injuries on top of co- all the COVID guys out, it was like a double whammy each and every week.
1: Dan, you, Dan, what's going on with your internet? It happened during the Sunday brunch. You're He's going full now. robot.
0: Yeah, it's happened at a work call today. Like,
1: why don't you jump off real quick and try to jump back on? Just really glitchy, but just like Dan said, I did catch a portion of that. The the grind. It was it was. Like, I'm exhausted. And for the first time ever on Sunday during the Patreon Sunday brunch episode, it's the first episode I missed ever. Dan and Mitch held on the fort. I was not feeling well. You two came up big in the, the, the clutch there. But this season, it has been weighing on us and draining us emotionally, mentally. Physically at times, you know So I I think that's That's something that we can take away from the season Dan is back, so besides The the grind, and while It was exhausting, it was still a fun Endeavor, what else do you have? Somehow, Dan has Been abducted by Well, I guess abducted by aliens and taken Over by a robot, but Once his internet gets going Here, Colton in the chat says Dan Is on that Walmart connection (laughs) Dan, I don't know. You, Your uh, you're, you're hot spot, I, I don't know what's going on. Kyle says, good take, Dan. Uh, <laughs> who, who knows what the heck that take was? But again, this is the magic. Anybody that watches live, you get to see all the glitz and the glamour that goes mm-hmm. with this. But I might even leave this on the feed. I don't know. Who cares? All right, Dan, let's try again. It's the third time a charm.
0: Take three. I lowered the resolution here. You know, Maybe the country internet's uh, uh, act, yep. acting up this week, possibly. Um, just I enjoy that grind like that weird, addictive, uh, fantasy football, coaching football, whatever it is. I actually enjoyed it as crazy as it was. And, uh, minus losing Dak, it, w- it was a pleasurable year.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we try, tried to prepare for injuries because we knew there could possibly be an uptick. And I mean, the the word that really got me every week, hamstring, when I saw that pop up for people, it I cringed because we always knew there was a risk of that reoccurring there. But for me, and This was a frustration, just, uh, it it was a me issue. It's not you, it's me. Twice this season, once was in week one, and then once was here in week 16, I left a player on a starting lineup that was not active. In week one, I want to say... It was, it was D.D. Westbrook in week one, actually. It was a deeper league. And then in week 16... Now, in week 16, in my defense, I wasn't feeling well, so I was kind of out of pocket for a portion of the day on Sunday. But I left Jarvis Landry in two lineups. And one of them, it didn't matter either way. One, I still won because of... You know, the other players I had, but that's something for me just staying on top of that. But again, some of that goes with, oh, John, you took on too many leagues with COVID, but to have, and yes, maybe I did, but I can happily and proudly say I will, I'm committing to all of those leagues going forward. But I, I that's one thing for me if you're in the chat what are a few things that you ran into this season because I don't know how many times people can say it we say it it was just the crazy season of all time but then next year I feel like we're gonna say it again and then the year it, we always say it Kyle says yeah the hamstrings were way worse than COVID it just especially wide receivers early in the season it popped up over and over and over again and Dan I think lowering the resolution it works
0: for you man Hey, whatever it takes for this podcast, boys. Whatever it takes. And John, as far as you taking on too many leagues this year, you're, like there should be a picture next to the, of the energy energizer bunny behind you, man. Like that you are. This guy is nonstop. Let me tell you.
1: I was updating. I, I moved my spreadsheet of all of my rosters and my league fees and records and everything from twenty twenty. I made another tab for twenty twenty one, and it felt weird deleting all of the information because. 2020 it's behind us so this is the last episode this is the last time we're going to sit here well next week next week is the last time because while we're holding ourselves accountable we have process improvements in place that we're looking to utilize moving forward next week we are going to talk about some of the processes that we got right and giving ourselves a slight pat on the back but now let's get into some of the players get into some of the processes mitch start with you what was a, a big miss you had in 2020? It doesn't necessarily just have to be like you said, a specific player.
2: Right. So mine's kind of going to be broken down into the different parts of the off season. I'm going to bring up Gardner Minshew right now because in super flex leagues, I drafted Gardner Minshew as my third quarterback on a lot of them. And I went out and traded for him on a lot of them. And my thought was going into the year, the Jags are going to be an average team. And we did our projections. We had him throwing for a decent amount of yards and touchdowns. And so I was like, all right, that's a really good, safe quarterback three.
1: I think we had him coming in like quarterback 18 range. Mm -hmm. And so because of the volume mainly, but
2: yeah. Right. And so what happened though, is Jacksonville was worse than I thought. Something Dan brought up constantly was the Jags could be really bad. And I didn't take that into account. So now what happened is, I drafted a lot of a guy that had no draft capital, no contract, um, no reason for a future coaching staff to come in and want to keep him. And so I had him on a lot of teams to where if you look at the startups where I was drafting him, Ben Roethlisberger was going behind him. Teddy Bridgewater was going behind him. David Carr was going behind him. And I want to really bring up David Carr because- It's
1: Derek Carr. Who?
2: Damn Damn it. It. Damn Derek! Derek! Yeah, that guy. Welcome the car guy. I, I, I know that one like really makes you angry, but anyways, We're, the whole car guy.
0: We need we so, need to do like a bloopers reel of 2020 with Derek and David cars. We, we got at least 10, at least.
2: It's the car guy. I don't see what the big deal is. Everyone knew who I was talking about. But anyways, I wanted to bring him up because that was kind of Gardner Minshew's ceiling, right? If he had the perfect year, he would have had the year that car had. And so... Moving forward, what I really – see, Kyle brings up Garner got a bad deal. I don't know if he did because he wouldn't be the starter anyways. That team was just so bad that he wasn't going to end up being worthy of where I was drafting him in the startup drafts. So moving forward, the guys that I really needed to keep a close eye on going into next year, Daniel Jones. He has the draft capital, but he could be gone after next year. Teddy Bridgewater is the exact same. Even if the projections show him do, go, doing well, everyone else is talking him up. I mean, there's a chance to where he, there's a good chance to where he's not the starting quarterback in 2022.
1: I want to tie this into again. It doesn't have to be about a specific player, but I'm going to tie it into Le'Veon Bell and uh, John. How are you going to tie in Gardner Minshew and Le'Veon Bell? So, Mitch you mentioned Gardner Minshew and we had that expectation on the passing volume, the way the game script was going to go. We didn't think they were going to be this bad, but for me, Le'Veon Bell was in a similar situation because we had the workload that was available in New York, right Mitch, when we were doing our projections and we had to account for that somewhere from the running back position. And essentially all of that got funneled to Le'Veon Bell. So for me, one of my things that is a process improvement is when we're looking at our projections, when we're thinking about our expectations for a specific player, maybe Dan, maybe I, I ripped on the dysfunction aspect a little too much. And, you know, the New Year's Eve is coming up. It, it's the holiday season. We, we show appreciation towards people. Maybe be apologetic if we made some some comments along the way. And of course, I ripped on the dysfunction thing so Dan maybe I owe you an apology but really quick before we turn it over to Dan so so any player that we can expect heavy usage where like a Gardner Minshew a Lavian Bell taking into account that that team is just going to be so horrific that one there's the potential for them to move on from that player mid-season or prior to the season or they're so bad, they go another route because they're looking to get an earlier draft pick, which we've seen with Gardner Minshew. I I don't think Mike Glennon is better than Gardner Minshew, but the Jags know what they're doing, something the New York Jets need to figure out. But Dan, again, next week, you can talk about this as a big win for you, but what are your thoughts on this whole subject? Because, you know, were there any players that you looked at coming in and you were like, okay, I feel comfortable with them, but it just didn't pan out. And a lot of it comes to the team was crap.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the show notes again. And you, you just, you're like finishing 2020 super strong JB. Cause uh, I'm so advanced in my uh, preparation for 2021. Thanks to you guys. But I kind of broke this down into going over my rankings last year and looking at guys. I was targeting guys. I was fading. I broke it down by position and, Tight end, I felt pretty comfortable with, but quarterback, running back, and receiver. When I look back how I drafted, and I'll, I'll touch more later on like the glaring issues that I may have ignored that led me to this. But you guys know, man, I'm like this emotional, extroverted dude sometimes that's could even be a fanboy. And, you know, I got into quarterbacks, and when I went through my tiers, I thought my tier one was pretty solid. You know, I had my strategies, but we'll talk about the positives next week. But when I got to tier two, I was high on Cam Newton. I was high on Jimmy Garoppolo. And I swung and missed by not being aggressive on Tannehill. So as I went through all these positions, I noticed I was either too high on certain guys, like Cam and Garoppolo, because there were just glaring issues that I ignored. And then I just wasn't aggressive enough, aggressive enough, and I missed on Tannehill, who would have been a nice draft pick that I could have obtained in so many leagues. And then when I went position by position, I kind of did the same thing in other places. You know, running back, it was James Conner for me. I was so high on him. Um, And I I just missed on Montgomery, like, everywhere. You know, and I thought I was not aggressive enough on James Robinson. And that may be the dysfunction where, JB, I ignored Jacksonville a little too much. I think the dysfunction shied me away from Minshew and for all the reasons Mitch described so eloquently there. Um, But I think it blinded me and I wasn't aggressive enough on James Robinson. And then when I shifted to receiver, too high on not Hollywood Brown. And then I was late to the party on Calvin Ridley. And I thought I could have been much more aggressive on that tier of McLaurin, A.G. Brown and Metcalf. So that's kind of like just my overview of going back and looking at my rankings and seeing that I was just too high in certain areas for just. And I just didn't dig deep enough into those areas. I should have scaled back a little more and been a little more aggressive on those names that I mentioned.
1: Two things, and I have my notes here. I I haven't seen your input, but a lot of what you're saying, it ties into my point. So I like these easy transitions, but I have a question for you, Dan. When we do this show every Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and then it gets out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, does the video work for you? Can you see us? Where,
0: like now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very visibly and clear, yes
1: Alright, because I have a question How in the world were you late to the party on Calvin Ridley When that Josie is behind <laughs> me Week in and week out you know, I, worked, but- I, I worked for that one I, I, It took a little bit to get there
0: it See, was this good. was like the one show note that like I didn't have to write this week in the notes. I wrote it. I probably mentioned it in a Dynasty Theory episode number five or something like that. When it, I just remember that one, and I am recalling it tonight that I was late to the party. So,
1: No, I, I, I had to.
0: That was a good um, one.
1: It, it certainly took a while to get there. Some of my jokes do. <laughs> you, you, you brought up Ryan Tannehill, and – a few things that I was going to bring up later in the show, just general processes. And as obvious as they sound, when we look at the quarterback position, there's two things we're looking at quarterbacks with volume and quarterbacks with rushing upside. 10 of the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks this season were in the top 12 of passing attempts. There were two outliers, Lamar. Oh, I almost said Lamar Miller, Lamar Jackson. Hey. And I know, I know Lamar Jackson and Ryan Tannehill. And then QBs with rushing upside, six of the top eight rushing quarterbacks were in the top 12. The only quarterback that was an outlier in both of those categories, Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking there, he is extremely efficient. That offense as a whole, that they're extremely efficient. They've been that way for two plus years now. But I think that's a miss that even after the contract extension, And when we had an episode, I think Justin from the father son podcast jumped on with us at that point where we uh, uh, critiqued and provided insight on our dynasty value changes when it came to Ryan Tannehill. I think people were still too low on Tannehill, Mm -hmm. myself included. I got lucky because I had Ryan Tannehill left over where I picked him up as a backup that he was my 20th round draft pick him, Dalton, players like that, that I thought could take over possibly eventually somewhere. But Ryan Tannehill, I kind of lucked into those shares, if we're going to be honest. But one other thing I want to mention, and Mitch, I want to bounce it over to you. A lot of people, if they have a miss, if they talk about something that they didn't get correct, they still try to justify it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important. Just own the miss. Talk about what you did to get there how it can yep. be corrected moving forward. And I actually was going to jump in when Mitch was talking about Gardner Minshew because you didn't do it. And I could have, you could have. The point you were getting him in the draft, it wasn't killing you, but you didn't bring that up. And I really like that because you owned the miss. You talked about how you can improve it going forward. But I do have one question. Does this, out of all the people I know, Mitch hates the draft capital argument. Mm-hmm. Does this sway you a little bit? a little bit.
2: I need to be, I completely wrote it off in a lot of cases to where I need to be a little bit higher on it, agree with it a little bit more, but I still think it's greatly overvalued in certain circumstances. Like we are using quick, quick soapbox. We're using draft capital from 15 years ago on running backs to where we know in the last five years, the NFL has completely changed the way they have drafted running backs. So that's just my issue with it is draft capital. 100% matters. I just think it matters a little bit less than some do.
1: And I think a lot of people, they put that spin on it. Well, he is the first round draft capital. He is the second or third round draft capital. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to Gardner Minshew, who is boop, 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 dead. Essentially. I yeah. mean, with, with Trevor Lawrence, ready to step in. All right, Mitch, what else do you have here? Hold yourself yeah. accountable. What's the process improvement for the listeners?
2: Right. So I'll move ahead to the rookie draft now, right? A couple different places we could go with this, but I was going to bring up Gibson. And the reason why I'm going to bring up Gibson is cuz we actually have a you video on YouTube that don't, still... don't, don't don't throw yourself under the bus like nope. this. Don't do it. There's a video on YouTube to where Dan is talking about Antonio Gibson being a lot better than Van Jefferson. And I'm sitting there on I'm like, "No, you want the 23-year-old wide receiver has good draft capital, he's going to see the field, he's going to have his value up higher, and what happens? Nothing. I mean, he hardly saw the field. Uh, Josh Reynolds played over him. Josh Reynolds was probably always his ceiling, something that I didn't even consider. And Dan was just like, no, you get Gibson, because Gibson can be really, really good. And I just didn't even account for that, because I'm like, no, at the time, they had Adrian Peterson, Peyton Barber, I think they had someone else in the backfield. I'm like, he's not going to see the field. It's not going to happen.
1: Lo McKissick, and behold. McKissick was, was there at the time. Was he there at the time? I couldn't remember if they picked him up later in the year or not. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I can't remember when we did that. I think that we may have done that in May. Right.
2: So that is just a huge miss. Is I didn't even consider Antonio Gibson? Because at the time, I was like, no, nope, 23-year-old wide receiver is going to see the field, fits it perfectly. And it was just a complete miss on my part. So moving forward, what I need to do, I need to open up my mind a little bit more because what happened was I was high on Van Jefferson before the draft. I wasn't high on Antonio Gibson. So what did I do? I stuck with Van Jefferson because that's who I wanted. To take, t- 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 take lock. Yep,
1: pretty much. I wish I had a little sound bite there. That was my <laughs> best thing. And Dan, you can't chime in here because, again, this is process improvements. You, you nailed Antonio Gibson. You loved him. So we're going to save that for next week but, and I'll turn it over to Dan here, but again, you two are just perfectly segueing into my points here. For me, maybe we shouldn't specifically be targeting 23-plus-year-old players that are being drafted, whether or not they're in the second, third, fourth round. Geis was there at the time. Thank you, Kyle. Geis was there. Yes. That, That was before everything happened. But, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, Third round draft capital, fine. There's no concern there, and he did look good this last week. But I think Dan could have looked good this last week. So, but I'm not going to sit there and be one of those people. Oh, you know, I I knew that this is what he was capable of all season. Scott Fish tagged me in something. He's like, oh, uh, JB, he's looking great in his week 16 best ball leagues right now because Keyshawn Vaughn (laughs) was going off. But you know, I, I I think that's something to keep in mind because you have a certain profile. And that's what we should be looking at. And we've been utilizing information that's available. And I, I think it's, it's critical to look at historical data points. Mitch, you brought it up. We're not looking back 20 years, but last five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. I think that's valuable information. And at the wide receiver position, running back position, 23-year-old player, when they're drafted at the age of 23, there is such a drop in potential production from what we've seen those outliers david johnson cooper cup was one terry mclaurin terry mclaurin terry mclaurin in a lot of models just based on breakout age target share uh dominator rating he did not look great but again, that's kind of where there's fallacies and issues with these certain models. And Kyle says you would have missed on Scary Terry with that logic. Exactly. Yep. But again, I, I think that's more of an outlier. So there's other things that can come into play. But overall, I, there, there are certain things that we should be looking at. And Antonio Gibson was a great one because, and I feel like I'm talking a lot this episode, but I think it's because I probably have the most... Process improvements to be looking at, and that's why I host that I let you two provide the insight. Dan always says, JB, provide the data, I'll provide the analysis. And I'm like, Yes, sir. But really quick before I get to Dan, <laughs> and uh JJ Zach everybody knows JJ Zach For some reason, he chose to come back on the show a second time, and why that is beyond me. But we've had him on multiple times, and one thing that he has said that when you look at running backs and he has, you know, these models that are evaluating and creating these prospects coming in, but Antonio Gibson was a perfect situation where if you look at his usage from a running back, it was awful, but we shouldn't be fading athletic running backs coming out that have been heavily involved in the passing game. And Antonio Gibson was that perfect example. So Dan, what else do you have? You can't talk about Antonio Gibson because you hit the nail on the head with him.
0: Definitely hold on that one. And John, man, you, you get to talk a lot tonight because you have a high percentage of teams. So I think a lot of those corrections is not based on a like, how can you not have as many teams as you have? But I, I guess I want to go back to a player I touched on. And, you know, maybe this is a little bit of take lock like Mitch. And, you know, just, just reading the chats in our Patreon and, and really enjoying a lot of the feedback and comments of, of our crew that's in there. You can tell it's a bunch of guys, man, that know a lot about football but we all kick ourselves when we do something that we know we, we shouldn't have done. And, and I did that with Cam Newton this year and the coach and me. All right. And if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, like I brought out one of like my old playbooks. Okay. This thing's pretty darn thick, man. There's like all this West coast stuff in there. And it, I, I love coaches and Bill Belichick and Bill Walsh and all that. And I was drinking a lot of the Bill Belichick Kool-Aid where most people like hate the Patriots. Cause they've been good for so long. Like I'm, I'm reading his books and, All of a sudden, he signs Cam Newton. And then I I go on Instagram and, you know, fell too deep into all those Cam Newton workout uh, films. I think I had, like, the Rocky montage playing in the background in my mind there while Cam was working out. And he's going with Belichick. And I think – I'm not going to mention a name, but one one of the guys I respect on social media kind of was all on the Cam Newton hype, too. And then I draft him in the Scott Fish Bowl. And like all of us, man, like, I didn't think it through. Like, here's a guy who's had his injuries, went through a stretch where he didn't play well. He was going to a team that was really depleted on talent. You know, they didn't have the receivers. They had a poor draft that we all were scratching our head over all these tight ends they're drafting that we never even heard of at that time that we tried to talk ourselves into that they were going to be good. And he didn't even play for a long time, man. Like, he, he was out – you know, he, there had to be – there were so many red flags there that said – Dan, you should not take Cam Newton as high as you are. You should slide and take Ryan Tannehill. But I ignored myself and drank the Kool-Aid and fell for the Instagram, Twitter hype, and Bill Belichick Kool-Aid and just overdrafted a guy that, that cost me in, in many ways. So that's my take lock, man. That really hurt me.
1: That's a really good one. He, he looked healthy, and I, I understand that. But th- again, you guys are doing such an incredible job tying into my points. For me... In super flex Leagues, it's trusting those mid-tier quarterbacks. And coming into the season, I was okay going 18, 20 deep. And a guy that I trusted specifically that fits that category, Mitch, do you know who I'm going to say? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's still top 12, baby. Well, <laughs> by default. <laughs> G- Jimmy Gar- by his own doing. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. And... I have so many shares of Jimmy and I could say, Oh, the injury. And then George Kittle was injured. There were injuries at running back. There were so many things going on, but it was just bad analysis and a bad take. And I thought he would settle in. I didn't think he was going to be a quarterback one, but I thought he would be a set it and forget it quarterback two in my super flex spot. And there were weeks he was negative negative in plus six minus four quarterback scoring and it was crippling there was one week you mentioned my boy matt ryan there was one week i believe i had matt ryan and jimmy garoppolo on a team in the plus six minus four and they combined for negative points i think they both were negative i was like you have to be kidding me and that was the week i had like a 45 percent win percentage and it was just brutal but i i'm gonna say Be very hesitant and skeptical of relying on those mid-tier quarterbacks because what we do as a fantasy community, whether you grind the tape, whether you have spreadsheets galore and you crunch the numbers, we are very bad at predicting top 12 quarterbacks on a yearly basis. Yes, you can say Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Sean Watson. Great. And I think we're getting to that point where it's a little bit easier and better but how many times in one quarterback leagues do you see a quarterback come out of nowhere and they surprise everybody? And that's going back to JJ Zachary's in the late run quarterback aspect.
0: And JB, if you even think back, you know, we started out, we had Ross Tucker on who played in the NFL and he was just talking about, you know, players he worried about and not having camp and Mm -hmm. everything we were talking about to our listeners says, you know, you want stability, you know, and missing camp, who does it affect? And as I look at like the Pro Football Focus rankings with Tannehill seventh right here and Matty Ryan eleventh, and then there's Cam who had nothing stable, even started late, missed so much time, ranked twenty fourth, and Garoppolo ranked twenty eighth. Like we just dug a little bit deeper, man. So hopefully next year we we could dig a little bit deeper and not make those same mistakes.
1: Yeah, because in the super flex spot, give me give me fifteen to eighteen points. I don't need I don't need a crazy number. And then in my mind, I was like, "Okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's probably going to be safe moving forward. But now, oh, he's going to be cut after 2020, after 2021. And now where are those teams? So in the spreadsheets that I mentioned and I alluded to earlier in the season, I have it. Everything's color coded. It's red, yellow, green, depending on how I see each position group from each roster. And if a team is going with I, I, I'm not even going to bring up Carson Wentz. Whoa. Huge miss. But I had teams coming into the season. Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford. Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. And I was like, oh, that's at least a yellow. Not not quite green, but yellow. That crap is red at this point. It is red. Anyway, Mitch, after you take a sip of your your cool beverage over there, what else do you got for our listeners?
2: So now I'm going to move to a little bit of an in-season thing that I messed up drastically on. I'm going to give myself a little bit. So I had Chubb on a lot of teams. It was a very good process. It was good to have Chubb. I was lower on Kareem Hunt. Very good. It's it's
1: always good to have Chubb.
2: That's right. Chubb week four, right? Gets injured. And I've always had the slow builds. And this was the year I'm like, I'm sick of doing slow builds. I'm going to go for the title in most leagues. And so I just went out and I traded him. I knew he would come back. This season, I said, I don't care. I need production for the next six weeks. And so doing that, I might have got myself one or two more wins in those leagues. But what did it do for my future? Right, It crippled it. Like absolutely crippled. I mean, and there was just no need to really move him. In those leagues, I'm sure I could have picked up anybody for four weeks. I mean, I could have traded for Adrian Peterson at that point. And during that point in the season, he would have been a starter for me. And so it's just not doing those stupid moves that kill your future. I mean, there's some moves to make. Like, for instance, I traded Matthew Stafford to, I traded for Matthew Stafford and the person that got him had Tom Brady in the championship game. They won because of Tom Brady. That's a smart move. That's not going to hurt you. Trading Nick Chubb for like a random first and Melvin Gordon kills you. And that is just, It's one of the stupidest things I've done and I did it in multiple leagues this year. It's just having a little bit of patience. This wasn't a CMC injury. This wasn't a Barkley injury. This was like a four to five week injury and like it killed my future in some leagues because
1: of it. And I think we saw that with Austin Eckler We saw with Calvin Ridley, you know, he went down Mm -hmm. for for a week and the injury lingered. But I think the important thing there as a process improvement and something I focused on at the tail end of the season and, you know, we'll get to that next week in more detail because I I already yelled at Dan. I said, don't talk about Antonio Gibson. So I'm not going to talk about what I did, but uh, targeting lower price players, just like you said. An Adrian Peterson, a Wayne Gallman, a JD McKissick, that you can get for absolutely nothing, as opposed to trading away a Nick Chubb and getting that significant downgrade, but that immediate production. I think that is the way to go. And it's something that everybody does because Nick Chubb, he should have that higher value within your league submarket, and you're looking to move him. And that's exactly why I moved Dak in a trade. I shouldn't have moved Dak in. And now I'm looking at that team. And I talk about the red, yellow, and green, red, red, red. And I'm like, all right, John, put your rebuild hat on John, the builder over here. He's got to rebuild. Um, uh, Dan, let's let's just keep bouncing back and forth.
0: You know, as I think back, and I like Mitch, your, your take on trade. And I didn't include that in my notes tonight, but it's something I've been thinking about a lot. Just evaluating, not just this year, but two years ago, you know, just. I played the cards very aggressive, looking to win now. It's paid off in some places and some I'm still confident in my rosters, but in others I'm like I'm starting to get a little bit worried. I'm starting to think about, you know, a different approach on draft capital. So I love Mitch's take on the trades. It's an area I'm going to continue to look at. Um, something else I started a little bit more last year when we were all doing our rankings as I was ranking offensive lines. You know, I think to my, you know, James Conner bust and I think of, Zeke and what's not going right there and obviously there's some things we don't know health-wise and when we see injuries impact these guys but you know like once he, he looked okay in week 16 though mm-hmm. that should give us a little bit of hope heading into the offseason there, there, there's some flashes there there's some flashes so so some encouragement you know but you know I think back to Dallas when Travis Frederick retired and then Tyron Smith's breaking down every year these old lines that look really good how good are they how much is that impacting the running game that's continue- something I'll continue to do for our rankings and our dynasty theory listeners is because we just don't look at O Lions. And, and that's mm-hmm. such a big impact on, you know, the, the guys, the team's success. So that's something I want to continue to look at. And then I think the last thing would be just progression of players. You know, we talked about Hollywood Brown, how was so high on him and, ah, uh, man, that one, it just stings, you know, but I think one thing I just, I expected more of a progression from Lamar too. And that never really happened. Now in the last handful of weeks, Lamar's starting to be Lamar again, but I think that's more because of what he's doing on the ground for Lamar and not for the Ravens passing game. And and I think there's a combination of, you know, I don't know if Hollywood has the drops lately. I don't know if that's going to be a a norm or if that's something he's going to fix. But that progression didn't come. And I don't know how much of it is teams adjusted to the Baltimore Ravens or Lamar just isn't making that jump. And that's, you know, what is it that I was so high on Hollywood? I just, I, really just swore he was gonna be the number one guy, and he was gonna get all these targets and it just never materialized. Uh,
1: the you brought up drops, and I, I don't know if you guys you were peeking at my notes, but one thing I will say about drops, to an extent, they are overemphasized by fantasy managers. If you are getting the targets, I don't care about drops. If you look in the last five years, Players that have topped that list, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper has been heavily criticized for his drops. Guess what? Still top 12, 10, 5, 1. Devontae Adams, number one wide receiver. He had drop issues. So if you're getting the targets, and yes, this is a Deontay Johnson tweet, as the kids would say, but if you're getting 10 targets a game and you drop a few, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I I really don't care, but the issue is when you're not getting a ton of targets and you start seeing those drops, you start losing the quarterback's trust, which Dan, I'm sure you've seen from a coaching aspect on players that you've coached, but then you're just, so let's say you get six targets, seven targets, you drop two of them. Now you're down to five other available opportunities. And it's like, eh, can you really do a ton with those opportunities? Mitch, what do you got? All right. So
2: this isn't, I hate to say it, but it's not really for the listeners. It's more for me. So what happened is back in August, we had Joe Pisapia come on the show and he said something then that stuck with me to this day. And it's something that I continue like trying to be. If we go on Twitter, we know CERN analysts love certain players, right? You can name a player. be like, oh, that's the guy that's high on him. Joe said something really important. He said, it's not about us being right on our players. That doesn't matter at all. What matters is we go out and we help people win money. And that's something that's starting from that day that I took to heart. Because like before, I was like, no, no, you want Keyshawn. You want Keyshawn Vaughn more than you want Cam Akers. And you know, that was my take. More than when, you
1: want to breathe, you want Keyshawn exactly.
2: Vaughn. Exactly. And it's just it's not what it's about. It's not about me being right on whatever rookie i have coming in. Like, I love Kenneth Gainwell. Like, I love him. I think he's going to be amazing. But if he ends up going to a bad situation, I don't need to continue to tell everybody, no, no, just wait. He's going to be amazing. It's okay. He's my guy. It's making sure I'm providing the content that the listeners actually enjoy. And that's actually going to help them win
1: money in leagues because that's really all that I care about. You just mentioned situation. And I have to I have to bring it up on our very first episode when we were super flexology episode one, 98 episodes ago. We said and I quote AJ Brown is bulletproof. He is not landing spot dependent wherever he goes. He is our number one wide receiver coming out in twenty nineteen. He goes to Tennessee. What do we do as absolute idiots? We drop him down our rookie Mm -hmm. rankings and where are we now? AJ Brown in many people's eyes is a top five dynasty receiver. I still have shares of AJ Brown, but if we would have stuck with our guns, stuck to our guns, we would have been just fine. What did I tell you guys going into the combine and post combine this year? Cam Akers was my running back three. I had Mm -hmm. that. I, I said that he goes to Los Angeles with a subpar offensive line. A crowded backfield. What do I do? Ah, he's my running back six now, everybody.
2: That's not even the egregious one. What did you do with DeAndre Swift?
1: I think you had him out of the first round. No, 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 no. <laughs> I after some tweaking, I I I did DeAndre was one that I bumped up, and that is because Mitch preached. He he preached. <laughs> but but again, don't overvalue and I'm I could I could say this every day. And again, it's for the listeners, but it is for me more than anything on my mirror in the bathroom. When I'm brushing my teeth, I'm going to write on there. Don't overvalue landing spots because I did it two years in a row and I will be damned if I do it three years in a row. Fast forward a year from now. I can't believe I did it again, guys.
0: I love I love this wide receiver talk too, man. If I, if I could go back to that, JB, and yeah, and the,
1: yeah absolutely,
0: the, the conversation of drops. And I, I see some of the comments from from our crew here in the chat about you know Jerry Judy and Deontay Johnson, and we're all seeing this. And you know, when I go back to my rankings, and and I have the same challenge every year. And to Mitch's point, we're trying to do better for our listeners. We're trying to win our own leagues, of course, but we're trying to do better for our listeners. And you know, every year I feel confident about my quarterback rankings, my running back rankings, tight ends, you know, pretty confident and, and they come out pretty good. But wide receivers, there's so many of them. So the rankings is so expansive and it's like such a bigger challenge. And I played wide receiver. So I, I love this one even more. So like Marquise Brown's drops, JB, they frustrated me watching them because they're like some easy ones, like five yard outs. He's not even gassed. It's it's a needed third and three and he's dropping an easy out so i'm a little bit concerned about his drops dan what
1: was your drop percentage do you know offhand if i, I play if i play i still know my peewee stats so i would know
0: i was the poor man's wayne kerbet and i don't know if anyone's old enough to know wayne kerbet on the show if, if not you're gonna have to google him that would I know, be my,
1: i know wayne kerbet yeah that,
0: that would be my description there but anyway enough al bundy moments so drops amari cooper okay he was one he would have a Concentration laps, and I watch Dallas more than anyone. So I even get the the post game press conferences, and I love how critical he was of himself and analyze it to the point where he says, "I know I could do better, and I'm going to." And he did. His drops were, were much less this year. I think overall he he did really well. Jerry Judy, and watching him drop footballs this week, I'm a little bit concerned about his maturity. He showed me a lot of bad body language and frustration on the sidelines, and hopefully that can improve. And it's just being young, but that's something I'm going to watch moving forward. How could Jerry Judy mature? Deontay Johnson, his routes are off the chart. Like he is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. So I'm not giving up on Deontay Johnson. I'm going to hope he works so hard and has the jug machine in his backyard this off season. And we see Instagram videos on him because I will buy that Kool-Aid again. And, And he's a guy that if he just works hard and we hear those good reports, I think I would go back to him. So, That's my little take on receivers. I'm going to continue to try to keep grinding rankings at the wide receiver position more than others because they just seem the most difficult to get right because we have so much to rank.
1: Kyle has a comment here, and I think it ties perfectly into a tweet that Mitch had, and I'm going to tie into that. So Kyle says, don't expect rookies to produce year one and you'll miss less. And I agree with that to an extent, but Mitch, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but a few weeks ago, heck, it could have been yesterday. I keep saying my days are all mixed up. Could have been two years ago for all I know. But you said that if you paid a certain price for a player at one point and, you know, let, let's say it was a Keyshawn Vaughn mm-hmm. and I I paid, I picked him at 110. Okay. And then two years from now, he really comes on. That doesn't make that the right pick because it. His value fluctuated in dip so much up to that point that it was a wasted pick. Because at this point, let let's say I I spent the one ten on him, but now you let's say I could get him for a late twenty twenty one second. It's just an arbitrary value. I, I I lost out on that. So while he did miss in year one, even if he comes on, you're seeing that that dip in value, and you can tie it into twenty twenty one with maybe Kyle Pitts maybe he bombs in year one. I'm not saying he will. We love Kyle Pitts, but let's say he does bomb and you spent 106 in a tight end premium league in one of the safe leagues where it's two PPR. That was a missed opportunity because you could have gone with one of the receivers maybe that pops off. And again, a lot of it's hindsight, but I think that kind of ties into what you were saying to an extent. Okay, so leading and and really quick, Kyle, I love that comment, by the way. So leading into this, here's a question I have
2: for you guys. I had a tweet, someone brought it up this week to where I said, Jalen Rager will help you win leagues. That was my take because that's how high I was on it. Was Rager a bad process or is it just a rookie doing rookie things? Because right now, if you, he was being drafted in the first round. Right now, dynasty value-wise, Lamb, Jefferson, Higgins, at least are going higher than him. Probably Ayuk as well. I guarantee Ayuk's going ahead of him. And then so he's probably closer to the Chennault, Pittman, and Claypool. He's probably right around those guys. I
1: honestly, I think, and and we're taking part in a startup tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Day one kicks off tomorrow. I would wager, let me find something that's not too valuable. I have a roll of tape over there, okay? I will wager that roll of tape. And it's not fancy. It's just scotch tape. It's nothing great. So don't get too excited. It's not that good like electrical tape. But I will wager that, that he's not even a top seven wide receiver from this 2020 class that is going to be taken in startups in 2021.
2: I agree. So was that a bad process or was it maybe he comes on? So it's not a huge deal.
0: Uh, If I could chime in, I think it's the, I think it's the unknown. You break down this rookie class. What don't we know? Who's going to be able to respond to not having camp? You know, not who needs that time more than others. Then you have the health factor. He had to overcome injuries. So now you have a rookie receiver that had to overcome injuries no camp and then you have the Eagles struggles who predicted that like who predicted that their coach would all of a sudden not run Miles Sanders even when he's running good he did it again here in week 16 in a must-win game versus Dallas Miles Sanders is running decent in the first half second half comes let's get away from the run even in a close game like those things impact the progress of a rookie so I would say no it's not process Mitch how could we predict we're not in that locker room? or on that practice field to say Jalen Rager is going to catch on as fast and have a good a situation as Justin Jefferson. You just, you just don't know. So I think it's a little bit of bad luck. Now, talent evaluation, who knows, you know, we're all trying to do our best to evaluate is Jalen Rager better than these other rookies. That's, that's yet to be determined.
1: I think what was alluring to people and really enticed people was the fact that that wide receiver room was so wide open, right? But for him, What stood out to me and what really intrigued me, because in some of our FFPC drafts, which it was just redraft, we targeted him extremely late. And that's not a redraft league where it's five players on your bench. You have depth. So I was okay holding him, especially the cost you acquire. And I think he was one of those upside plays. But we saw the opportunity that presented itself, and it just never panned out. And I think that's what was frustrating. But now we're going to go into a situation in 2021. Let's say, let's just say somehow Rondell Moore or uh, Jamar Chase or uh, uh, Smith, one of these big time players go to Philadelphia. Everybody's going to fade them because guess what? Second round draft capital, JJ or I I still say our even though. He says it's Arthega, but I'm going with Sega. Whiteside, he was a second round draft pick. Jalen Rager, first round draft pick. Both of them absolute busts. So I think maybe to an extent it was putting the situation ahead of anything else, but still, it it his price in redraft especially, it was it was a gamble, and I think it was a fine gamble. But in Dynasty, again, just even if he breaks out here in 2021 you missed out on that value leading up to that point. Any other comments there?
0: Not for it's this my, episode.
2: Right? Well, a lot that's of my question on him. I didn't know. It's still questioning now. Is it a miss? Is it a bad analysis? And I think it's going to be one that we'll know for sure next year, but we need to figure it out fast because rookie drafts are starting up. Or sorry, startup
1: drafts are starting up. Luckily, re- luckily, the the rookie picks are included, so we don't yes. have to commit quite yet to a specific player.
0: I'm really concerned about the Philadelphia Eagles. Like yeah, the, the that that ship is just sinking, and I don't know if they could fix it. Like they may give Doug Peterson another year, but it, I don't know if he could fix this. You know, I they they they, agree. they went from Super Bowl champion to boy, did they mismanage everything after winning that Super Bowl.
1: Can I ask? This is off topic, but we're talking about the Eagles. Everybody is so excited about Jalen Hurts stepping in and saying that he is going to save this team fantasy-wise. We love (laughs) it. But Taysom Hill steps in, and again, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is Taysom Hill or Taysom Hill is Jalen Hurts, but Taysom Hill steps in, kind of presents, obviously, to a lower scale because that team is better off top to bottom, but it's a rushing quarterback first and then looking to pass, and then you look at Jalen Hurts, He kills some of that upside. Dallas Goddard, Greg Ward. Obviously, Greg Ward, uh, uh, Travis Fulgham, not top of the line receivers, but still guys that he necessarily hasn't been helping their production and value. But it's just interesting to me. Jalen Hurts, everybody loves him. Everybody hates Carson Wentz. And Taysom hill when he gets into a game oh no get him out of there he's gonna he's gonna kill my alvin kamara share he's gonna kill my michael thomas it's just interesting to me you know guys there's, there's no real you know insight there just a thought, <laughs> <laughs> just it,
0: a thought. It, it's like a preview of a very good in future episode of dynasty of theory, the right? off season yes. yes when we get there it's gonna be a good one hot topic yeah. in philadelphia
1: again just something i was thinking of so uh, a few things really quick on my end we're at 53 minutes here. So I'll keep it quick. But again, <laughs> another thing that JJ Zachary and I, we just need to get him on the show again. I think I, I, I think in January I'll be reaching out again and he's going to say, damn, this guy, he needs to get out of my DMS. He won't stop bothering me. But anyway, one of the big things that he pushes is targeting ambiguous backfields. And I told Kyle in the chat here, he mentioned, well, if you fade dysfunction, you would have missed on James Robinson. And I think Dan's getting a delivery over there. I, I saw his eyes go off camera, saw the little smile. Oh, he's parched. He's parched. He's getting a water. But James Robinson is that example. And for me, th- this isn't a, a necessarily a, a a flaw or an issue that that was, that was I made during the season because I targeted Rykel Armstead in several situations. It just turned out to be the wrong guy. And... He got COVID and he's been in the hospital many times, but targeting those ambiguous backfields can really pan out because they're low cost options. One of them has a chance of popping. And we saw that with James Robinson. So I I, I think that's something to, to look at. Another thing. This is very quick. If Matt LaFleur comes out this off season and says, Mitch Sorensen is going to get a lot of the work out of the slot. Don't believe him two years in a row. Geronimo Allison, Jay Sternberger, that son of a gun has lied to us twice. It's not going to be a third time.
0: And that's something we always try to do better at is no one coaches speak, you know, who's giving us something tangible and who's full of, you know what? And we've, we've determined that in green Bay. So good point, JB.
1: I'm not going to deal with it. And last thing, and Mitch, you brought this up pre-show and I said, Oh my goodness. I think this is a fantastic talking point. Let me jot this down for me. And you could talk about this as a process improvement or being cautious, but it's different for every manager, every single one, but risk tolerance. And Mitch, you and I were talking about it from an injury perspective, but then we also talked about it. An example was Tyree kill. Whenever that news with Tyree kill came out, I was one of those people. Move them, move them, move them. Two examples. I moved him for Jarvis Landry straight up. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And that's because I, the risk tolerance, I wasn't, I didn't want to be involved. That looks awful now, but you know, what looks even worse. A late 2022nd, which I got from Mitch Sorensen. And now he's reaping the benefits. And I'm pretty sure you won that league where we made it. Yeah. yeah. So it comes down to risk tolerance. Uh, how much are you willing to take on whether it's injuries off the field issues, dysfunction but that's something different for every single person and mitch you kind of looked at it from the other side you were like maybe i need to be a little bit more cautious because you don't even think about you're like injuries Ah, i don't care
2: yeah it's i mean i definitely need to play a little bit more risk averse but i'm like if you're risky and you hit you win all the money and that's kind of nice
0: this, this takes me back to when Tyreek Hill got in trouble. And Mitch was like the, the broker on Wall Street, man. He, w- I, he was so aggressive getting Tyreek Hill shares. I remember trading like Tyreek to him for Corey Davis in the gym. And then he later like flipped Tyreek for some incredible draft capital. So there are times where you just got to put emotions out of, aside in the, the business of this and take advantage of, of the highs and lows of fantasy players' values.
1: And it, just like Mitch said, if you're right, on those value dips or value rises, you, you you can really profit off of that. And Mitch literally profited off of my premature. There's many jokes that can go with that, but premature is good to go with. Yes. I, I I pulled the trigger a little too quickly there, <laughs> and maturely. yeah, yeah, it happens. Any anyway, Mitch, <laughs> bad. You're bad, Mitch. Anyway, but you got to figure that out. And that's different to every person. And I feel like the way you might act in real life, that kind of ties into that. Mm -hmm. And it goes into that that, that thought process and mindset. So this isn't a necessarily process improvement because I'm in no place to say, Dan, this is how much risk you need to be willing to take on or vice versa. So it's just something that I, I wanted to bring up. Before we wrap up tonight's show, before we get into the final thoughts, any other process improvements, accountability? I, I don't know if you could tell, but me missing Sunday morning, Sunday brunch, I'm super jacked to be on tonight. Like I am <laughs> on cloud nine. We can tell, man. Well, I, 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 I even brought Devante down here. Where is he? I brought my I brought Michael down after last week's performance. I, I'm just I'm on cloud nine to be with you, gentlemen. Here, uh, another fantastic year for Dynasty Theory and 99 episodes down, a hundredth episode next week, and I hope a thousand more.
0: Pump, man! We're gonna keep it rolling, man. The, the the
1: Nobody else feels that way.
0: All right. <laughs> I, I was thinking about final thoughts already. Sorry, I was, I was getting. Right. I'm of waiting myself. for the yeah. click.
2: We're always waiting for the sounder. I know, I know, but I John I puts it off as long as possible because he doesn't get a final thought. So he's like, no, no,
1: I have a final thing.
2: I have one more final knowledge.
1: thing, and then I have one more final thing. Listen, I pour my heart out to you guys. I say how I appreciate you. Incredible 99 episodes. A million more, a million more. And you both just look at me. You just look at me. <laughs> and I'm like, for, okay. Final thoughts yet? All right, it is.
2: Final thoughts.
1: All right, Dan bring us home final it's wait. It's the final, final thought of 2020 good riddance. What do you got for our listeners?
0: Short and sweet, but a few final thoughts. One, I just have to do this or I'll get yelled at by my son. You know, Santa brings all these funny, th- f- funny, fancy toys and whatnot. And he was excited about dynasty theory tonight. And he came down before he went to bed and wanted me to show his like little, you can't even see it. It's supposed to be a football. It's got like white seams and, and brown, but that was for Dynasty Theory tonight. He wanted to contribute to the show, so he made a little football thinking of Dynasty Theory. So I'll show him that tomorrow, and uh, it'll get another click on our YouTube maybe. So we got that. But, guys, our last Dynasty Theory pod of the year, of 2020. So, you know, my New Year's resolution is going to be to draft less Cowboys next year and have more draft picks. I'm going to see if I can hold to it. You know, it's like giving up chocolate or something. I don't know. I'm going to do my best to do that and uh, – Hey, go Eagles on Sunday. If Dallas wins, you'll never hear me say that again as well. And, uh, boys, I'm pumped for episode, uh, number 100 in 2021. This year has been a blast.
1: I like that. That was, that was a good final thought. Dan, getting a little sentimental. All right, Mitch, wrap us up the final, final thought for 2020. Sentimental. And here I am going to be selfish. So
2: (laughs) there's an issue on MFL right now. It's really hard to get ADP data. So if you're having a startup draft on MFL, Please send it to me. I would love to be able to watch along. The more drafts we see, the better analysis we can provide. So please, if you have anything go on MF, MFL, send it over to at Dino MC on Twitter. And I would love to check it out.
1: Uh, just, just looking to get that ADP and we're taking part in a startup tomorrow. Like I mentioned, there is no ADP. Every player, nine, 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 nine. They're all. So I said, I keep making the joke. And you know me, Mitch and Dan, if I make a joke once and it gets like even the slightest chuckle, I run that bad boy into the ground. And I keep saying, oh, it's the 11th round. Christian McCaffrey dropped me because there's no ADP. So uh, hopefully that happens. We'll we'll see. But as always, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. The live chat was absolutely incredible, as always. Uh, You know, 2020 could have been better. Had it's had it's downs for sure but i I think it had its ups and getting to know you gentlemen dan and mitch and getting to know our listeners and kicking off the patreon i am extremely grateful for all of that so before i start start sobbing over here because my heart is so full like i said i want to thank everybody for tuning in follow the show on twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff stay safe be kind to each other have a great night And hopefully everybody has a safe and very happy New Year's. See you guys.